Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lepondra <laughs> looking to get side of Vaughn Lepondra away from David 3-1 running 3 points running Hello, I bet you weren't expecting another one of these so soon You thought we'd got rid of the Elm Park Rules preview podcast for another season But you haven't There's one match left to preview of this calendar campaign It's that a thing? You don't really get those, do you? You get seasons and you get years don't really get calendar campaigns, but we've truly saved the best till last because this Saturday at the Select Car Leasing Megadome, we have the 2006 promotion Reading team against the 2012 promotion winning Royals in what has been billed as a legends match, a match of legends. And to join me in previewing that match, I've been joined by two more legends <laughs> of the podcasting game. Uh, uh, the venerable and inimitable Paul Man. Hello, Paul. Hi, Jacob. That is a hell of a build-up. You're like associated <laughs> with legends alongside the 106 team and the oh, 112 yeah. team. I know who I'd I know who I'd want up front for me, and it's not Hal Robson Carnu. It's Paul Man running down the wing. And, that, that's um, more to... common on how Robson can do than it is me. <laughs> that's very true. I'm sorry, Hal, we've done you dirty there. But um, to, to provide, um, to ping in those balls to Paul up top and to provide um, some like 10 out of 10 service and to rack up those assists, I've got James Earnshaw from the Reading Chronicle. Hello, James, you're back again. Hello, yeah. Didn't think I'd be back on this quick. <laughs> Everyone at home's going, boo, boo. <laughs> we want no, J-Lo, a... we want J-Lo. Oh, no, he's well, no, he's still um, in mourning that he didn't get invited to the gala dinner the other oh. day. And um, we, the, our last preview podcast of the season with Jonathan Lowe was basically just a five minute rant about how um, we missed out <laughs> on all the champagne and um, and raffles. Let's stuff. not bring up the gala too much, it only brings <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we're about to delve into, I suppose, is a replacement for any gala dinner because we have got approximately 20 to 30 minutes full of, well, A, some pretty groundbreaking Reading FC football news about what's going on at the wider club. Spoilers, we've got a permanent manager now and even more spoilers, we know exactly who it is. It's, it's obviously pulling. Um, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to see how we're feeling about that news. Uh, and then... We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty and talk about that amazing once-in-a-lifetime match that we've got coming up this weekend because we're never, ever going to see um, those two teams play each other ever again. And if they do play each other again, they're going to be on, like, Zimmer frames or, you know, in wheelchairs. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so stick with us. It's going to be great fun. 
and um I suppose then let's let's work our way up to the fun stuff and start with the less fun stuff. Uh, Paul Ince, James, mm. every single preview I've got you on this season, I've started by saying, oh, well, is he going to be here next season? And has he done enough to get the job? Well, plot twist, he's got the job now. So how are we feeling about that? Was it as inevitable, do you think, as we all thought it was when he was appointed back at the start of the year? Uh, I th- I think it was always quite likely. My my view did change, sort of. It flip flops a, a bit. Um, there's a few sort of pre match and post match where I thought, oh, maybe Izzy won't he, you know. But um, the longer it went on, the less confident I was because he um, did that big speech about how he wanted to, you know, demand things from the owner and he wanted wanted to make sure stuff was set up. Um, and I thought, oh, the longer it goes on, maybe he's not got those sort of considerations, but. You know, I think it's a good thing that he's taken it because it means that the club have assured him of, of what he wants. And he's a football man who I would trust to run a football team more than some of the people that have been running it so far. So I, I don't think it's as bad as some people are making it out to be. And Paul, um, uh, the other Paul, not Paul Lynch, Paul Mann. <laughs> uh, you have no idea how confusing that's got for the last few weeks. But um, I suppose the question is then, even though everyone's said, oh, well, he's tactically limited and he's the cheap option and, you know, he's he's a bit of a dinosaur. The players, even though they've only ultimately got four wins out of 14 on paper, the players seem to have responded to him. When you've got players coming out like Josh Lawrence saying that they're more likely to stick around if he's at the helm next year and with what Paul Ince has said about him hoping to rope Tom Ince in for another season in RG2, is there room for optimism, do you think? Optimism, Reading FC. How's that work, Jacob? It's been <laughs> a long, long It's a bit time. of an alien concept, you're right. <laughs> and trying to work that one. That was a real mind-blower there. I wasn't expecting that curveball there. But I think with Paul Ince, it's clear, like you say, the players want him there. When we were speaking to Tom McIntyre on the podcast, we was recorded with him, he was saying how much he wants him to stay off the podcast he was saying that as well so I felt it was very genuine you would expect a player to say oh I want the manager to stay he's not going to come out and say oh actually I think he's really crap he's not going to do that he's obviously but I feel I feel there's two different worlds here isn't there there's a fan view and then there's the players view we always have been criticizing players over the last year or so saying they don't look united they don't know they're going to play well they don't look like they're going to care for the club but ultimately Paul Lynch has come in He's taken a team that I think probably were going to get relegated on the Panovic. And he's kept them up with three games to spare. I think it was three. Yeah. So you've got to say he's done his job. And I do totally taste what you're saying on board there, Jacob. I also heard you on Radio Berkshire making a lot of these points. And I have to agree. I've, I've just done a, I've just recycled what I said at seven o'clock this morning, honestly, lads. I've just That's point absolutely point. fine because it's still true, isn't it? So it doesn't matter. But I understand what you're saying. Tactically, yeah, there are worries about Paul Lynch. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Messiah and everything's going to be brilliant. But I'm just glad we've got it done early. I didn't want to be in the situation when we got into, say, mid-June and we hadn't made a decision because then it's a disaster. But, yeah, kind of relative optimism that our objective next season is staying up. And maybe, just maybe, he might be the person. We'll see. We'll probably regret saying this in three months' time, I will. But we'll see. You're right to say about how it's it's quite refreshing that Reading have got it done early and got that clarity early. Because 
if you think about it, it wasn't that long ago since we had the absolute chaos of sacking Mark Bowen and bringing in Velko Panovic with less than a week until the season started, right? And I know that was a season in which we ended up finishing seventh, but still, there's obviously mild optimism, the fact that the players know who they're going to be playing under now. They're going to be able to have a full pre-season under Paul Ince. And also, a potential also sign that the owners are starting to finally touch wood, learn from the mistakes of the past. News this week also that we've finally got a football man in, a familiar face, no less, to oversee stuff upstairs in the boardroom as well, in Mark Bowen. Let's not get into the weirdness around how fans found out they was back at the club uh, via his LinkedIn profile <laughs> about 24 to 44. So Reading FC, Jake. So Reading. So Like only Reading could possibly, could possibly like have that happen. It's so stupid. Um, but regardless of how it's announced, it's it's confirmed now. And you've, it means we've got former manager and former director of football, Mark Bowen, finally back in the same capacity with Paul Ince underneath him. James, there's signs finally that we're getting a bit of a structure in place. And when you hear all this whisperings in the press about Bowen meeting with Swift's representatives and then being impressed by what Bowen's got to say... Finally, we're starting to reap the benefit slowly, and there's early signs of it, that, you know, finally we've got a director of football, which is what the fans are crying out for, and that's a good thing, yeah? Oh, yeah. No, I think this could actually end up being a more important, you know, sort of introduction than a manager, because, you know, if you've got stability sort of off the field, whoever you bring in, they've got someone to build off of, and they've got someone in place who can keep that sort of plan going, no matter who is in charge. I mean, look at those sort of three managers we had in the early 2000s, whoever came in, Nick Hammond was still there and Nigel Howe was still there overseeing it all. And they all had a plan that kind of followed through throughout. And if we keep that plan, and so if, if he's got a plan in place and we stick by it and we bring in to suit this plan, then, you know, we should be able to start moving forward rather than changing from one style to another style. So one way of bringing in players to one way of bringing in, you know, it should be a, should be a clear plan and a clear progression now, sort of, window by window, season by season. Yeah, and the fact that he is a familiar face as well, it means we've got to... I know it's it's maybe sometimes overstated this whole thing of, oh, well, they know the place and they they know the league. But they, in this case, both Bowen and Inns know what they're getting themselves into, not just on the football side, but also with the craziness with the, the football politics off the pitch at Reading. Like, two men that know fully well the scale of the the job they've got ahead of them. But now, as far as the fans are concerned, the fans know what league we're going to be in next year. We're going to be a championship club for at least another year, hopefully more. And we know who the manager's going to be. We're hopefully soon going to start sorting out contracts for players. So looking at you, Josh Laurent, looking at you, Andy Rinnemotter. And off the back of that news, today, hot off the press, season ticket renewals are up. And... If you're a season ticket holder from this season, Paul, with this week's news about the manager, the director of football, are you more inclined to renew for next year? Are you, even though we're under no illusions that it's going to be a hell of a tough year in keeping us above the dotted line, are you are you willing to put your money where your mouth is and and, and renew? Have you renewed already? Uh, I haven't quite yet. I had stuff to do today, but I will be doing it tomorrow. Um, 
Yeah, I actually, I think weirdly, I think I am slightly more inclined to do it because it looks like we're heading marginally in the right direction. I would have done it anyway. Let's not pretend on this. But it just kind of like makes me feel there's a bit more optimism going forwards. So obviously, it's good news that the ticket prices haven't gone up as well. I mean, I could understand in many ways how they would have because everything's got more expensive. But the problem is we've been crap for years. So that's a hard one to balance out, isn't it? But um also want to say on uh, James's point about Mark Bowen coming in and being the most important appointment, I totally agree on that, 100%. Um, he has to be, because if you look back at the uh, Nicky Hammond era, that just gave us so much stability. But the big difference there was that Nicky Hammond could get in whoever he wanted, basically. He didn't have to be guided by one agent. Now, if Mark Bowen still has that issue with the unspoken man, with three letters in his name, first name. If we still have him being a really, really strong force at the club, that does limit us because everything we get in is short term. But yeah, we'll see. We have to be optimistic in some ways. Who knows? Maybe there has been a big change. We don't know. And if it was to have actually happened, we won't know for months and probably years being realistic. But season tickets, yeah. I think it's maybe some people have obviously been drained of energy at the moment, but I still think we'll see quite a lot of people back at the old Madeski. I'm going to call it that, James. I mean, what do you think? Do you, I mean, if you weren't going as a journalist, would you be going as a paying customer next season? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be someone that kind of wouldn't go anyway. You know, I, I go whenever, well, now I go all the time, but before I'd get go whenever I had the chance, having sat through the, Paul Clement years and you know the Jose Gomez years. I don't think these well, years are going to be too much different. Time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, they, they would have been worse before me, but in my lifetime, that's the worst I've seen. It's it's about more than the game on the pitch. It's about meeting up with your mates, going with your family, having a laugh, and you know the going away days and the memories you make. You know, it's and for the price we're charging, you know, it more about watching football. There's more to it than just the results on the pitch. I know it's a big factor, but I, I'd, yeah. I'd be going anyway. On the whole point you raise about the price, both of you, um, one of my favourite aspects of the season ticket announcement today on Twitter was the main Reading FC account trying to uh, mansplain the concept of inflation to the Reading fan base. They were like, well, a season ticket cost £395 in 2005 and it costs £395 now. And if it if inflation had had blah, 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 and, and and I was just like, okay, no, it's like listening to the Bank of England. No, thank you. But um, it still represents amazing value, especially in comparison to the rest of the league. Also brilliant that we're, we're doing this whole thing where we're going to charge 20 quid for an away ticket, but only if the away club does the same when we visit mm. their gaff. Um, yeah, yeah. You no, have, that, that's, that's great news, right, Paul? Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. There's been lots of kind of we should keep it at that level. And that's fair enough. People are going to disagree on that. I don't have any problem with that. But I think that basically other clubs have been taking the piss out of us, haven't they? They've been getting tickets for 20 quid a go. And some of them have reciprocated. Not every single one have done that. But when you're getting charged 40 quid or 35 quid instead of 20, that's a big, massive jump. And uh, I don't really think that's uh, really fair in the climate they're in. I think 20 is more than enough. And now the owners are probably thinking... Actually, nah, screw you. Uh, we're going to actually charge you the price that you're going to charge us. And I don't blame them. Maybe some people will reciprocate, but I doubt they will, Jacob, don't you? Yeah, there's there's been talk on, on Twitter about whether we should have 
been the bigger club, as it were, and and set an example. But I think the time for that's kind of passed because we have been championing 20s plenty for yonks now. And unless we kind of put a bit of pressure on and give a little back now, I don't think it's going to become the precedent for a little while yet. So I, I was quite, I thought it was refreshing of Reading to kind of put their foot down on that. And hopefully, prices aside, we start to get bums on seats for next season because attendances have been on the dip for a little while now. And, you know, that's a long-term malaise because we've had a decade of stagnation or worse and it's not going to change overnight. But hopefully the green sheets of recovery start this weekend in RGT because it's going to be a reminder of sunnier times with some legendary faces, some players that we never thought we'd see in a Reading shirt ever again. And the list of riches and just the playing personnel we've got to look forward to on Saturday. It's incredible. Like from both teams, the 0506 team managed by the legendary Steve Koppel. And then that 2011, Sir 2012, Steve Sir Steve, <laughs> Sir Steve. Yeah. all hail. Sorry, I've besmirched his good name. And on the Elm Park Royals podcast as well, I'm never going to live this down. Um, just, but if you go down, it's an absolute litany of just names that you'd, you'd, you'd like to go to the pub with all of them, Paul. Um, so let's just look at the teams then and just one by one go, right, who we're looking forward to putting on their boots again and and popping in a few goals and putting in a few crunching tackles. The one that jumps out for me, James, is uh, Marcus Hanneman between the sticks for Steve Copples, lads, because... Hanneman is an absolute cult hero at Reading, like maniac. We've got we've got a pedigree of of amazing keepers at Reading, but I think in my lifetime at least, they don't come much better than Hanneman. And um an insane, insane bloke. Um fisherman, uh heavy metal aficionado. I think he's got a pilot's license. And let's not forget as well, he was he was quite handy with a pair of goalkeeper club uh, goal, goalkeeper clubs. He's going to be clubbing the opposition to death. Uh, goalkeeper gloves for Reading. So that's one name that jumps out for me, James. What about you from that 06 team? Uh, from the 06 team, um, Murty. Well, the whole the whole back four. I mean, we've not had Shorey confirmed, but Son Cohen, Gamarsen and Murty coming back. Uh, Glenn Little and Bobby Convey. Um, and even Doyle. I mean, Doyle obviously had to retire, didn't he, for heading the ball too much, they reckon. So for him to lace his boots up again putting his life on the line potentially after heading his balls for how many years and coming back out for a run out. But for me, the whole, th- the whole day is all about seeing those two managers in the dugout again. I mean, Coppola and McDermott, both in the cop- both in the dugout. That for me is the sort of the star of the show of those two absolute gents. Everything stems from the managers, Paul. And the architects of those two amazing teams came from the modest, clever, hard-working blokes in the dugout, like James says. I mean, I I think you'd be hard-pressed to find two bigger gentlemen like anywhere, on or off a football pitch. It's going to be great to see them back, isn't it? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, they're two of the greatest people on earth. Uh, I'd even need to over-exaggerate that. I feel quite comfortable saying that. Brian and Steve are just amazing people. And if you were stuck on a desert island with them, you'd feel safe, wouldn't you? I would. I'd feel like you, you two would come up with a plan. You create a formation <laughs> with like the wild stuff in a four four two 
we'll create a lagoon and we'll be able to go off and to find our way back home. But um, it'll be the four four two formation that gets us off the island, is what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it might take a while. It might take a while. We might have a few Jimmy Kebe moments where we're not quite sure what we're going to deliver with the old rowing boats. But it's kind of like it would be interesting to see. I mean, I love both of them. You look at how much it's really kind of. Like, this is a big question for Eden fans, isn't it? Which one's your favourite, Steve Koppel or Brian McDermott? It's, it's, it's blasphemous that you even ask it? that. You can't. It's like chop. It's like asking which one of your legs you want to chop off. Because... It is, isn't it? You just can't do it, can you? Because it's, it's honestly a... one of those ones where you actually, where the worst thing is someone on a podcast who sits in an event. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, I, you just have to do it, don't you? Because <laughs> like... I, I don't think you, I don't think you can pick between them because, in many ways, they're very similar in terms of their ethic and mm. you know they were reading through and through but at the same time you, that's exactly why you can't pick between them because they the greatest moments in this club's modern history have come under them and it's like telling half a story if you were to say well no I'm going to have one of you over the other I mean McDermott really kind of took the torch from Coppel at a time when it looked like the flame was starting to flicker and die out and ran with it and did something that no one thought was possible with a team that, let's be honest, on paper, was not a championship-winning team. And that's absolutely no offence to the likes of Ledger Wood, Tab, Robson Carney, uh, Jem Carajan, Noel Hunt. I mean, they, they were like a beautifully poised orchestra in that together they were greater than some of their parts, right? And both of those teams were like that. And, you know, two deadly goal scorers for Reading, obviously one conspicuous via his absence in Kitson, by the way, he's not going to be turning out of the weekend. But Kevin Doyle bagged goals for fun for Reading. Um, there weren't many prolific goal scorers in that 2012 team. You know, I don't think anyone got more than Lafondra's 12 goals. Yeah, Lafondra right? was definitely top scorer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a shame he can't be there. I mean, I'm assuming he won't be there. Obviously, he hasn't been confirmed. There's also, obviously, he lives in Australia. There's an issue straight away. But um, I just want to shout out Brinny Esther as well. The only one oh, yeah. possible for both of them. We need to have a little bit of love for Brinny Esther. When I think of him, there are so many moments. I think of the two goals against Sheffield United. I think about that nutmeg at Anfield, though. And that oh. cross for Shane Long. Can we just, can just sit here in a moment and appreciate that? Because I remember just absolutely basking in the glow of that goal because at my school, Reading fans were like not, the, we were not in the majority, let's say. Like we had, you had tons of your glory hunter Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans, even a couple of Spurs fans, can you imagine? And um, whenever, like, whenever I would be asked, like, oh, who do you support? And like Reading, I'd have the piss taken out of me. But it's moments like that at Anfield where all of a sudden you can stand up and, you know, put your chest out and be proud. And Iniesta, Iniesta's turning out of the weekend. No, Iniesta was was the architect of, of that. And because I was kind of coming into, like, my prime, like, it obviously I have really good memories of the 2006 team, but mm. that was a long time ago, whereas I've got better memories of, that sort of pre-McDermott title winning team because it was like when I was starting to really get into my football. Mm. I think, James, you're the same, aren't you? Because I remember us talking on a podcast recently and how you said that 
McDermott is like your manager. He is he he is your Reading manager. And when your phone started to ring the other day for that interview <laughs> you did, and his name popped up, yeah, you nearly had a you nearly had a heart attack, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It was <clears throat> for me. I was only six when the one oh six team. So I, I went to games, but I was too young to really appreciate what it was. Um, but I started going much more regularly in the playoff final year, and then obviously winning the title the year after. That's my team, you know, Pierce, Gorks, Federici. That that is my team. What I think of when I think of my team of sort of my lifetime. So I'm much more looking forward to seeing, you know, Jimmy Kebe. Um the Fondras EA is gonna be a massive miss, but Jem, Ledger Woods, you know, that that's that's my team. Ian Hart. Yeah, the the thing is when when we were saying at the start about how we didn't think we'd see these players in a reading shirt again, I thought that the last time I was going to be able to see um Doyle in a reading shirt not even a Reading shirt, Doyle in any football shirt, was when he scored against us at, at QPR when we beat them 3-1. Um, I remember thinking, oh God, like this can't be my the last time I'm seeing Kevin Doyle on a football pitch when he's scoring against you know the team when he made himself. Um, and the fact that he's he's got a chance to kind of rewrite history and, and bag a few at, at the SCL at the weekend is great, Paul, isn't it? I mean, actually, here's a question, Paul. Who's most likely to bag a hat trick at the weekend? Because we've got insider knowledge that um, that Jason Roberts might be crocked heading into the weekend, so I think we can rule him out of contention. But who do who do you reckon's got a goal or two in him? Well, I, you got to go for the youngest players, and it might not even be a striker now because, like, Jen Carrington's only thirty-two. So if I was going to be really tactical and put on my betting brain, <laughs> where I'd go, <laughs> like, that's where the clever um, money is. Yeah, no, if you look at players like Leroy Lita, I mean, he gave us some amazing memories as well. Uh, the goal against Crystal Palace, the overhead kick, I mean, that was sensational as well. But Jimmy Kebe, is he going to pull up his socks? And he always denies that he did that. And I believe him, but the man is an enigma. You, if you don't love Jimmy Kebe, don't support Reading FC. That's what I say. He was everything that we... Kind of like personified, he was a bargain that nobody else wanted. Brian hunted him out, kind of almost saw him by mistake as well. And then he comes to Reading, takes a while to adapt, couldn't even speak English for quite a while, so found that really hard. And then became this absolute cult hero at Reading FC, and then topped it off by going to Leeds and being shit. Now, that for me is a perfect combination. <laughs> Agent Kebe to the rescue. Yeah, an absolute enigma of a man, a total one off. And um, James was saying how um, it, even though he was he was slippery on the pitch it's, and, you know, an adept at skinning his man, he also skinned James because I think it was one that he, he couldn't track down for his um, anthology of interviews over on the Chronicle. But just it's so many memorable Kebe moments over the years, not just on the pitch with him pulling up his socks. Hopefully we see a repeat of that at the weekend. But also off the pitch, I'll, I'll remember when he put up that tweet on transfer deadline day when he said he was transferring to Newcastle during that spate when um, they were signing about a million French players. And uh, a couple of hours later, he was like, yeah, sorry. Uh, I thought that's just what you do if you're French and uh, you're a football player as you go and sign Newcastle. So what an absolute don. What an absolute legend. I, I Just to be able to clap eyes upon Sir Jimmy again would just be completely joyous and, and um, i want to see what these kits are like because they're having these specially made yeah, kits with the sponsors that's with a the fair sponsors on 
So I want to see what these look Waitrose like. are bad. Yeah. <laughs> bad, bad motherfuckers. Bad yeah, so I, knew, I knew I wish I was regretting that as soon as I said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all our ad revenue for the episode just gone down. The <laughs> We've offended all the Waitrose mums. Um, it would be. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine that. The scenes. Like, I just run on the pitch and stand next to one of them and go, right. Good evening, everyone. We've had a great <laughs> He's bad. <laughs> the thing is, but it's, we raise a point, right? Because as much as the whole your Waitrose thing is, you know, a bit of fun and a bit daft and whatever, when I think of those two title-winning teams, the sponsors are really iconic for me. Mm. I know a lot of other rival clubs took the piss out of our Waitrose sponsor, right? Because, I mean, it's like being sponsored by, I mean, it's not like being sponsored by Lidl because Lidl isn't half as posh and it's kind of emblematic of our middle class, like Southern upbringing, isn't it? Yeah. Being sponsored by Waitrose. But at the same time, like those kits, are, the Waitrose sponsor is just like indelibly etched on my brain, right? Same with Kyocera because the, the fact that the club haven't done many things right recently, but for, for somebody at the club to have the, the foresight to go, no, we need to have those on the shirts again for the weekend, it's spot on. Because I don't think it would be the same without them, because it's part of the visual heritage and an identity of those two sides. So and the collars, and, they need to have oh, the collars. We the only get promoted in a collar. <laughs> we only get promoted in a collar. We nearly did it again under Poundovich, but less said yeah. about that, the better. Um, Jamie Hodder, if you're listening, I fully expect you to try and nick one of those kits, if not both of those kits, at the end of the game, and uh, send pics, please, and we will we will gratefully retweet those because um, they they will be going like hotcakes on eBay after the game. So. I tell you, someone who I'm really looking forward to see as well is McEnough. Yeah, Moving yeah, McEnough. Now, at the time, I don't think he got enough credit for what actually a good captain he was and what a good player he was. Was now we've had ten years of being basically a bit shared. Uh, we could dress it up, but we haven't been very good. You realise how good he was. I mean, I thought he was good at the time, but you think, actually, one example is, and now you see him on Sky Sports, it just comes across so well. He's the kind of person that you'd want associated with your club. And on a different topic, I'd love to see him back one day, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Oh, We've got no back, so. Yeah, one at a time. I mean, in an ideal world, they all would have rocked up on a big minibus, uh, like and and like one by one, just signed for us on the dotted line. And I put up a tweet a little while back, like I, I probably had too much to drink, but I was basically saying like, yeah, right, we can have Hunt back in this role and Mackinoff back in this role and and Church back in this role, and you know, it's coming. I know it's coming, but you know, one at a time. But Mackinoff is such a great ambassador, not just for Reading, but just the sport in general. Just a phenomenally decent decent bloke you can't really do him justice with words alone and we were saying recently on a podcast James about when he won um the Tom Finney award at the EFL awards dinner just totally deserved and um he's now an FA board member as well yeah and what an asset to to the FA is going to be because you know after they, they are to all accounts like a bunch of crotchety old white men it's it's great to have McEnough on. He knows his football. He's been all the way up the pyramid. He started at the at the bottom, done his time as like integral, integral playing staff at, at Reading, Leighton Orient under tough conditions. He's gonna be brilliant for them, and it's gonna be brilliant to see him back. And another one like Paul says, who I think left in pretty disrespectful circumstances. I think he deserved a much better and bigger send-off than he ended up getting the first time round by Reading. So hopefully this weekend can can make up for that and Reading fans can give him the send-off he deserves again because I love the man. 
I love the man. He'd definitely be in my combined 2006, 2012, 11, I think, Paul. Yeah, let's not forget Sonko as well. Yeah, Sonko Superman. Superman. The iconic photo of him at Southampton away, I think it was, with him like taking on about 19 players. He put some extra ones just for effect for the photo, <laughs> I think. It was just an absolutely incredible photo. Uh, he was such an incredible player for us when we got promoted in that uh, incredible season, 106. And his pace got him out of a lot of situations, but he's just so immense. And I don't know if you've, you've like met him, but he's such a nice guy. Such a nice guy. And that's the one thing that comes through from both these teams is they're good people and they want to give everything and they all had a point to prove. And that will take you a long, long way. It might not take you to promotion, but you'll probably do a little bit better than what you should do every single time. I mean, there's a lot of work that went into both these teams. It didn't just happen in one season. But you, you respect these players. And I think that's a really massive thing that we can kind of like take on further from after this game. But I'm just going to enjoy it. I think everyone who hasn't been for ages, forget about like what's going on at Reading FC at the moment in the last season. This is a fun day. Just separate it. This is a different thing. Just get down there. Have a laugh. It's going to be fun. Just enjoy. Get people who haven't been for a while as well. Remind them of the old times. Yeah. It's a, but the perfect opportunity to get some fans back on board that haven't been for a while. Tickets are very reasonably priced. I mean, like for a tenner, you can't... A tenner for like a, a, something that most Reading fans are going to be looking back fondly upon for years, if not decades to come. I really think it's that exciting. And yeah, to see players, like you say, like Sonka, who my brother said um, to a mate of ours recently, if you had to like genetically engineer in like a controlled lab environment, the perfect centre-back physically, you'd, you'd come out with Sonko because it, it's it just completely statuesque. And I remember the very funny rumours after Panovic was under pressure with um, them saying, oh, well, Sonko's in line for the Reading job. And everyone's like, well, this is clearly bollocks. And somebody <laughs> messaged him on Instagram and said, Come on, Ibrahima, is it true? And it was like, nah, mate, it's, it's not true. And we're like, so, you know, down to earth characters um, and memorable. And, and also, all, every player from both teams, I think, gave a shit about Reading, right? And it's something which is worth its weight in gold. And they clearly give enough of a hoot about us to be back this weekend at all. And I think that should be applauded because a lot of them have travelled from far, far away. Like we're talking overseas in America. Um, uh, Brynjest is coming from Iceland, presumably. I don't know where he's based now. James is nodding. Um, so it's just going to be a fantastic, fantastic event. And um, I hope to see both of you there in some capacity. I'm, I know I'll be seeing Paul. Because he's, yeah, I don't know if I, I, I don't see you, Jacob. I really yeah, want. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to divulge this or whether it's you know as, as flexing again on the Ampart. Um, like yeah, yeah, not again. the moment. We will. Later. All right, that's yeah. fine. We'll. Um, I'll, I'm going to keep it, keep it under wraps. But I, I would, I would be surprised if I didn't see you, Paul. And I'm also seeing uh, the lovely James Earnshaw for a, a pre-match date on the Friday night. Um, <laughs> to to talk um, the build up to the game and to get any um, hot gas over to the Chronicle as well. We're going for a drink at Blue Collar. Shout out Blue Collar! Um, thank you for sponsoring us all season. We appreciate your support, and um, I will um, look forward to supping your beautiful pre match pints on the Friday night. Uh, so all that's left to do then is thank you, lovely lot at home. 
in addition to our two lovely guests for for bearing with us this far and for tuning in to probably the final Elm Park Rules preview podcast of the season. Um, it's been a special one. It's been a loose, limber and fun one. And hope you've enjoyed listening to this one and all others throughout the season. And uh, we'll be back later in the year. So thanks to Paul. Thanks to James. You've been listening to the Elm Park Royals preview podcast with me, Jacob Southcline. Take care, have fun at the weekend and cheerio.